we certainly praise the Lord for his great love for us. And that's the whole reason we're gathering here tonight is because of Jesus Christ and who he is, what he has done for us. And we are just so thankful to be able to be here tonight with you all at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. What a privilege it is to be here. And uh, many of you um, know that my wife grew up here, part of the BERT um, network here. And uh, it just gets bigger and bigger and spreads more and more every year. And that's exciting. And I'm very blessed to be able to marry into that family. About coming up on 14 years now. Hard to believe. I remember coming for the first time and visiting Ann Arbor Baptist Church. I think I sat right over here and uh, just kind of nervous, you know, and getting to know people and realizing how big the Burt family really is. And, but not too bad. I came from a family of eight. And so we had a feel for that a little bit. But... Anyways, it is just a thrill to be back here again, and uh, I know a lot of you read our email updates, so you're uh, very familiar with what is going on. We were originally planning a furlough uh, coming back from Kenya, East Africa, in August of 2020, and so we were planning on 10 months, just kind of had that time frame in mind, and uh, because of different ministry opportunities with the work there in Kenya, we were hoping to just come back to a 10-month furlough and jump back into an opportunity over there uh, with a, a, ch a church ministry, church kind of a replant situation that we were looking at. But um, all along, we knew that our little daughter, Kayla, had had some health issues. And so I know many of you know about that as you've been reading, so I'll try to just kind of hit some of the highlights here briefly. And, um, but obviously, we're still here. It's been about a year and a half now since we came back on that furlough. And about a year, almost a year ago, last year in July, we finally began to find out some things from the Children's Hospital there in Milwaukee and Madison, where we are now. Um, they began, they kind of figured out finally what was going on with Kayla. We knew all her life, you know, that there was something a little different, had four other kids to compare to, and we kept, just kept noticing some question marks, red flags with her health. And so we checked in right away at the Children's Hospital in Milwaukee when we got back to the States in August of 2020, but they really didn't begin finding anything definite until about we were making plans. I was actually looking at tickets, just head back to Kenya, and we were going to start our second term there and just figured, okay, you know, we haven't found anything out. Let's just plan to head back. The Lord will keep directing. Well, right around that time, the Lord uh, revealed to us that Kayla had Turner's Syndrome, and the genetics department there at the Children's Hospital was able to uh, figure that out. And so once we finally figured out what we were working with, they were able to do a bunch of, a series of different um, research and checkups on her to see what all was going on and try to check some of the trademark problems that come with girls with Turner's syndrome. And uh, so they were able to find out she had an issue with her liver. Um, the, the portal vein that delivers blood to the liver was kind of contorted. They think it's probably a birth defect from uh, the Turner's syndrome. And so she was probably just born that way. And there's a series of other things that complications that that created. And we found out that she was actually in a very uh, critical condition, a life-threatening situation. She had these bulging blood vessels in her esophagus. And so she could have easily punctured those, or they said that even flying in an airplane was a very dangerous thing to do because of the higher pressure and having those blood vessels bulging there and right exposed in her esophagus. And um, so anyways, they were able to do a procedure to move those deeper into her body tissue. And then a couple of months ago, they were able to do another procedure that helped open up the, the blood flow around her liver. And so now that circulation seems to be going much better for her and we've noticed improvement. We've seen a lot of those uh, question marks that we had, you know, some of the concerns we had with her health have kind of dwindled down a little bit since they've done these procedures. And so we're really thankful for how the Lord protected her from getting on an airplane again, which we didn't know at the time would have been really dangerous for her health. But um, as you just yield, seek to let the Lord have control, not that we're perfect in that, but um, he, he guides and directs and takes care of us. And so it's just always a blessing to be able to look back over uh, the different events of life as you look to the Lord by faith and just see the Lord direct and, and guide each step of the way and provide. And so this, it's looking, okay, so in uh, next, let's see, this month, just a couple of weeks from now, Kayla has a lab 
tests that they want to do to just check her blood again and see how everything's looking with that. And then in July, they're going to do an ultrasound. And if everything continues to look good, uh, and she seems to be on an upward trend right now with recovering and responding well to the medication and the procedures that they've done. So we praise the Lord for that. Just a huge blessing. Uh, and, and it looks like um, after July, if everything looks good after that last checkup, they think that she should be in a good medical condition to be able to fly again. And so we're looking forward to possibly heading back to Kenya for our second term coming up in August. And so if you would just continue to pray with us through all of these things, we uh, deeply covet those prayers and really, really thank each one of you for your prayers and your part here in missions through Ann Arbor Baptist Church. And it's just a great encouragement uh, to us to know of so many people praying and to hear back from email up in email updates, you know, hey, praying for you guys. It's just such an encouragement to know we have such a huge team of God's people praying for us, praying for little Kayla. And uh, the Lord, you know, it, so many times it was kind of confusing. Like, you know, here we have all of our support and we're ready to go back to Kenya, you know, and Lord, why do you have us here for all these months beyond what we were really planning? And, you know, it almost sometimes seems like God makes a mistake or, you know, isn't doing it quite right. <laughs> and so it's just, of course, he, he never makes a mistake. Everything he does is perfect. We make plenty of mistakes, uh, but praise God, he's willing to work with us. And so anyways, um, we just thank the Lord for how he has really shown himself great and mighty and given many opportunities to be able to just try to be missionaries wherever our feet are, you know. God has really emphasized that in, in our hearts during this time, just be the, the witness for Christ wherever he has you. And that's what God calls for every Christian in the workplace or wherever we are to just be a witness for Jesus Christ. So it's been neat to see some opportunities the Lord has given us through the different um, medical settings to be able to witness for the Lord there. And uh, to think, well, maybe, you know, maybe nobody has ever given a gospel uh, presentation to some of these people and how they can be rescued from eternity and hell and know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we thank the Lord for those opportunities and just really look forward to what God has in store. So if we end up going back to Kenya in August, we're looking forward to uh, jumping back into our house. We have a house over there. There's a friend of ours that um, Christina was able to lead to the Lord back in 2016, who has just got, been discipled and really faithful to the Lord and his work through Lighthouse Baptist Church, the church plant that we've been working with, with my brother Michael and his family. So um, her name is Rose. She's been staying there at our house and just kind of, you know, looking over things there. And uh, so we're looking forward to settling back in there as the Lord leads and in his timing and continuing on um, helping with Lighthouse Baptist Church. And there's a couple of other uh, possibilities there um, in the area that we would are looking uh, looking into at this point and just praying about as far as other church uh, uh, planting opportunities. Um, and then also continuing to teach in the Bible College. There's a wonderful team of missionaries that we've been able to be a part of and uh, be able to uh, help in the Bible College there to help train the nationals. It's really a neat setup where many of you probably know that the Bible College is in the capital city area, Nairobi is the capital city. And that's about a 45, 50 minute drive from where we live in a city of about 200,000 people where we're helping start uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church. And so we travel back and forth to the college. I've been able to teach some classes in the college there. And it's just been a thrill to see some of these graduates go out and start new churches and uh, be able to also, you know, see them go. Some of them maybe come from some of the more remote parts of the country. And they know those tribal languages out there. They know the subcultures. And to see them come and get some good Bible training and be able to go back. Some of them have property and the you know, family property where, where they come from. And we've seen them start Bible preaching uh, churches back there in their home areas. And, uh, and then some of the graduates have you know, maybe taken over the pastorate of a church that a missionary has started and are doing a great job. There's just a tremendous team there. I, I'm amazed. I was able to attend a uh, ordination council of uh, one of the graduates a few years ago. And so there were uh, several other pastors that teach in the Bible college there and 
are pastoring churches in Kenya, these Kenyan men, I was just really encouraged to hear the, the depth of questions they were asking to this pastor that was looking to be ordained. And uh, it was just a, a great privilege to see that and to see you know, these men just really having a genuine, obvious passion for the Lord and for really a church planting movement there in Kenya, East Africa. I know you support the Halsteads also, so you get their updates and hear uh, more of what God is doing in that uh, team of missionaries there. And so it's just a really exciting operation God has going, and we're thrilled to be a part of it and looking forward to getting back there. So remember, um, whenever it rains, pray for the rains, right? Okay, it's a reminder that falls from heaven to pray for us. And so when it hits you in the face or is hitting your car window or whatever, just remember, oh, it's raining. Pray for the rains, family. And uh, the Lord may send timely reminders with that. And our name is spelled that same way. So anyways, we like to use that. We all need help with remembering things, don't we? And so um, anyways, we sure appreciate the prayers. Thank you so much. Thank you as well for those of you who sacrifice in giving toward missions. Um, we are just overwhelmed with the generosity of God's people. And uh, just really quick, too, um, something by way of update on, you know, in regards to giving. The Lord uh, was uh, allowing quite an accumulation in our missions fund, just from love offerings and different things, gifts of God's people toward the work. And it all goes into our missions fund. And I was kind of watching those numbers grow over the years and thinking, man, that's, that's a good chunk of money. I don't think most missionaries have that amount in there. And, and I was just, we were praying, Lord, what do you want to do with that money? And uh, many of you know from our updates that we've been praying for Lighthouse Baptist Church right in Thika, like I said, a city of about 200,000 people, only independent Baptist church in the city. There's a couple on the outskirts, but only one in the city. And uh, we've just, we've been meeting in a rental room, which had been a great location, but um, we were just really burdened and praying that God would give a permanent property and building for Lighthouse Baptist Church to be able to meet in. Well, just about a year ago, the Lord led my brother Michael over there in Kenya to a property and building for sale. And just through a series of things, the Lord made it really clear that that was uh, the property that he had for Lighthouse Baptist Church. And so um, you probably wouldn't believe it, but maybe, I don't know if I mentioned this last time I was here, but you kind of, maybe you think of Africa, you think, okay, property probably isn't that expensive. Well, believe it or not, this little three-quarter acre piece of property with just a basic stone two-story building with metal sheet roofing um, was going for about $350,000. <laughs> and that was actually a pretty good price, pretty good deal for um, what's typical in that city of Thika. And so that's a big chunk of money. You know, most missionaries don't have that in their back pocket as they walk around. Uh, but the Lord had provided a good amount in our fund, and we were able to, and I say that to your account, that those of you who sacrifice and give toward missions, you had a part in that. And that, I just want to remind you, sometimes we forget about the, what God is doing as we give faithfully to the Lord and as we pray for missionaries. Um, we don't always remember all the things God's doing, but that property and building, uh, we were able to use some of the money, that money from our fund to be able to put toward that building a good percentage of it. And I just praise God for the generosity of people like you. And uh, just want to encourage you with that, that there's a wonderful church that God is building up there in Thika because of you who give and pray. And uh, I believe it was, I could be wrong on this, I should look it up, but I think it was William Carey that said that prayer is the mighty engine that work, moves the work of missions. And so uh, don't forget that. Your prayers, you might feel like, man, it's, you know, what does it matter if I miss a day praying for those missionaries? And I think when we get to heaven, we may find out, you know, how impacting those prayers really are. And it's part of living by faith. So be encouraged in that to continue on in prayer. I know the devil loves to discourage us as individuals from praying. He loves to discourage churches from praying. I'm amazed how many churches cut out their prayer service in the middle of the week or whenever it is, you know, and it's almost like cutting your throat, you know. It's like you're, you're cutting your lifeline. And so um, be encouraged to continue on in prayer as a church and as individuals. And uh, the devil want, doesn't want us to realize how powerful those prayers really are. And you may never get to Kenya, but through your ministry of prayer 
and faithfulness to the Lord here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church, churches like this that make it possible for our family to be able to go to Kenya. And so every day, you all are having a very, very vital part in what God is doing all around the world. So remember that and be encouraged in that. Just trust that that will really strengthen and encourage your faith as you seek to continue on faithfully for the Lord. Um, I remember, uh, I've heard preachers make these statements before. You know, we all often look at a martyr for Jesus Christ and think, wow, that's such a heroic thing and I, I don't want to minimize that at all. But sometimes it's almost more of a challenge just living for God day after day after day after day and staying faithful to the Lord, keeping the right priorities and keeping a fresh uh, fire in our heart for the Lord and for His work. I know, um, you know, just because I have a missionary title over my name doesn't mean that it comes naturally for me. And so we need your prayers so desperately. And you all have a very, very critical part in what the fruit that God, the eternal fruit that God is laying up there in the ministry in Kenya through that Bible college, seeing new churches started and seeing um, churches like Lighthouse Baptist Church be able to get up on their feet and get a building, get a property. And it's just been a blessing in so many ways to have that. Uh, one other thing really quickly, a uh, neat opportunity the Lord opened up on this furlough. We were at a church and a, a man came up to me on staff at the church and said, hey, we have a printing ministry and would, could you use some Bibles over there in Kenya? Well, I wasn't really looking. I mean, we can get some Bibles over there. They're pretty readily available in Swahili or English. And uh, the area where we live, most people like to communicate in English. Like the church plant that we're uh, working with there, everything is in English. The Bible college, everything in English. The official language of the government is English. But everybody loves Swahili. They love speaking in Swahili. And so we're learning Swahili. Uh, but this man came up to me and, and uh, ended up, uh, the Lord just opened the door for a 20-foot shipping container of Bible literature. Some John and Romans, New Testaments, whole Bibles, um, some Bible tracts, a lot of them in Swahili and some in English as well. And so that shipment, that container actually just arrived a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but we thank God again for people like you that give toward the work of missions. And I'm really excited to see when we get back what doors God is going to open with that. I've had several, there have been several different churches that have contacted us about maybe uh, bringing a team over to Kenya to help with different projects or a, an evangelism blitzing, you know, just knocking on doors and passing out gospel tracts or John and Romans. And so, um, and there's certainly areas of Kenya that are, are, uh, unreached people groups. And so I am really uh, excited and burdened to see what doors God is going to open to be able to um, see that gospel literature, that Bible literature, be able to get out into the hands of the Kenyan people or maybe even neighboring countries that speak Swahili and just see the Lord use that uh, to help get new churches started. And so that's an, another exciting thing that the Lord did on this furlough and uh, keep praying for that container. It's in the port city of Mombasa. Uh, but as many of you may know, in Af most African countries, there's a lot of corruption that goes on. And, and so sometimes it can be really tricky to get processes like that, whether it's our government documentation uh, that we have to try to get or you know, getting that container um, through the customs and shipped right to where we want it to go. And so if you just pray about those things, um, we would really appreciate that. And also that property uh, for the church and the, um, the, for the church property there in Thika, Lighthouse Baptist Church, there's still some remaining funds that we're looking to see the Lord provide for that. And so um, if you would just continue to pray about these things, we'd really appreciate it and, and uh, look forward to keeping you posted in the email updates as to how God answers these prayers and what God is doing on your account as you pray and continue to give and serve the Lord faithfully right here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. So anyways, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, if you would please. Matthew chapter 14. It's really easy for us as Christians a lot of times to kind of lose sight of, the, of what God really wants to do, of what God... Um, desires to do in us and through us. And uh, it's easy for us to kind of come to a standstill in our spiritual lives sometimes 
Um, but I'd like us tonight to just really be encouraged at the, the great things that God desires to do in each one of us as His children, and not only in our life as an individual, but through us as we continue to yield to Him. A lot of times we think, well, you know, I just I don't have the personality for really getting out there and, and being a witness for Jesus Christ. Or, you know, I'm, I kind of feel like you know, I should just, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, if you knew my background, you know, you would realize that I just, you know, I don't think God can really use me or, you know, we kind of, we allow fear and or different excuses. It's just kind of uh, natural. The Bible talks about the natural man and there's kind of a, a, a set of default settings that our body, our, 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 as a human being, that we kind of naturally fall back on. You know, we allow fear to kick in. We allow excuses of all different kinds. And, and we begin, really, to limit God in what He can do. Okay, there, throughout the Psalms, throughout the Old Testament, you see God was continually reminding Israel, hey, if you follow me, love me, serve me, you know, follow my commandments, and I'll be with you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and this and this. And of course, we know of many wonderful, great and mighty things that God did do through the children of Israel as they yielded to Him and even in spite of their wanderings from Him. And praise God, we all can relate with that, can't we? Every one of us are like sheep and we're very prone to wander from God, myself included. And so that's why we need to be in a church like this where you know it's kind of like a throwing logs in a fire. If you pull one out and put it over there, it's just going to smoke and create a lot of issues and uh, kind of, and it'll fizzle out and die. But if that log is right in the middle of the fire, boy, that fire—it's it, like fuel to the fire. And it just, the, when those logs are all together and burning, it it, it accomplishes something. You can heat your house with it. Um, you can warm up by it. Uh, you can cook things over it. It's very profitable. And uh, many, in many ways, that's kind of like what a church is like. And so God has a special purpose and plan to use each one of us. And at the same time, He wants us to remember our weaknesses. Sometimes we allow our weaknesses to just kind of be looming right in front of us and we can't take a step forward for the Lord because we've got these, you know, we just allow these weaknesses, the challenges of life, financial challenges, relationship challenges, to just loom in front of us and we, allow, we, we let that obstacle get in the way of what God wants to do. We forget that God is bigger than all of that. And uh, I love this passage here in Matthew 14 where Jesus, I think, was trying to communicate to his disciples and give them a real visual, hands-on demonstration that, hey, I am bigger than any challenges. And there's an eternal purpose. And so I'd like us to just learn a few lessons here tonight from Jesus Christ as he teaches his disciples and the multitude that gathered. Look in verse 13. We jump in here in Matthew 14, 13, where John the Baptist had just been beheaded. And a terrible, terrible thing. Terrible death. And Jesus and the disciples were grieving. I think it had been a long day for them and they were wanting to just get, a, get out to a quiet place. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place or a, a remote place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. So it doesn't look like it's going to end up being much of a quiet getaway for Jesus and his disciples. But look at verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and he healed their sick. So here he is getting right to work as soon as the multitude gathers around him. Verse 15, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place and the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals, get some, some food to eat. And notice verse 15 there how it talks about the time is now past. Man, I, after living in Africa, and uh, growing up in America, I realize how time-oriented Americans can be. And that can be a good thing, but it also has its downsides as well. So we kind of have to keep things in balance with that. All right, there's nothing wrong with planning and, and you know, scheduling things out to maximize the time, redeem the time for the days are evil. But at the same time, we can often be really driven by time and let time become a, a, mo a, a driving factor 
and that kind of stomps over people. And uh, Jesus was always keeping people, the souls around him, at the top priority. But here the disciples said, the time is now past. Send them away. Let them go get some food. And verse 16, Jesus said unto them, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Now think about that. He knew that they did not have enough food to give everybody to eat. There were thousands of people that had gathered here. So he tells them to do something that is absolutely humanly impossible. And he does does this on purpose. Look at verse 17. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. He said, Bring them hither to me. Let's just pray. Father, bless these remaining minutes that we have, Lord, to um, learn what you have for us tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your word. God, thank you for this wonderful church here. God, strengthen your people and uh, use your word. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would just penetrate right into the needs of our lives tonight and use your word that is living, Lord, to quicken us, to encourage us, to remind us of how great you are in 2022 and how much you want to do in us and through us. Thank you, Lord, for what you will do in Jesus' name. Amen. So if we're going to see God work in, in us and through us, it's not just for Pastor Barber and his family. It's not just for the church staff and the deacons or you know people that you view as, as leadership. Spiritually, it is for every Christian that God desires to show himself mighty and to, to be working in us, to help us to see our weakness and who we are and see his greatness and how he loves us and wants to use us. So just a few quick lessons here tonight from this passage of, on seeing God do the impossible. Notice, first of all, that if you are going to see God Almighty do impossible things in and through your life, first of all, you need to recognize his power in times of weakness. We already saw verse 13 that Jesus and the disciples were, it seemed like they were kind of just worn out. They wanted to get out to a quiet place, get away from everything and just relax a little bit. And that is important to do. We need to do that. Make time to get away, especially, you know, if you're married or, and have children or, you know, try to get away. That's important to do. We enjoyed a nice little getaway with um, a number of Christina's family earlier this week. And it's refreshing to get together and get it. Man, we were out in a quiet place in uh, western New York. I had never been to that part of New York. It reminded me a lot of Wisconsin, the farm country. It was just beautiful. Birds everywhere and God's creation. Get out and, and we need time away. Uh, time, intentional time to reconnect with God. Time to refresh and to reconnect in the important relationships of our life. Uh, but here, so Jesus and his disciples were it looked like they were heading to do that, but then all the people um, began to gather out there. But notice here, they, they felt that weakness. They were grieving over the death of John the Baptist. And maybe for all they knew, they, they thought they could be next the next day. You know, who's going to get their, their head chopped off next, you know, for being a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I'm sure there was a heavy burden on their heart because of this dear brother that had been so awfully killed. And uh, we all feel that weakness at times, don't we? Emotionally, spiritually, physically, we feel it. And maybe even here tonight, you're kind of, you got some heavy burdens that are weighing heavy on your heart. And those things can, you know, the devil would love to get us defeated, discouraged, but God wants to use those as we feel that weakness. He wants us to just look to him. And, and see his strength in the middle of it all. But if we're going to see God do the impossible, we do have to recognize our human weakness and how, how, easily, how easy it is for us to just kind of feel bogged down. Notice secondly that seeing God do the impossible not only requires his power, a recognition of his power in times of weakness, but also requires a vision for souls. Look at verse 14. And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with frustration and anger toward them. Right? Anybody wake out there? 
Is that what it says? No, I know everybody's really focused here. What, that didn't sound right. What is it? No, what, did G, what does it say here? Jesus was not moved with frustration and anger. We often are, right? Those checkout lines can get long and they get plugged up with people. People are in my way, right? And instead of seeing opportunities and, well, let's pray for these people here. Lord, you know every one of these people in line in front of me. You know, that's not, I know that's not the natural response for me or driving through Chicago traffic. You know, it's like I get frustrated with people that get in my way and slow, you know, get me off my time schedule. But Jesus was moved with compassion toward them. He was moved with compassion. He had a passion for those souls. He didn't chase them away. He didn't run after them and tell them to get out of here. We're trying to have some quiet time. You know, can't you just give us a little break for a little time? And he didn't do that. He had a vision for souls. He saw that multitude and he just could see right into their hearts. And we need that, that same vision when we see multitudes. A lot of times, you know, we see, man, we've seen a lot of awful things of, in multitudes in the last couple of years, haven't we? Riots in this country, you know, like maybe we've never seen in our lifetime. And those things can feel very frustrating. You know, why are people doing these kind of things? And we can just get so moved with anger and frustration. Uh, but Jesus had compassion on them, even on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They didn't know they were killing the Messiah. Many of them, they honestly were, you know, like, like Paul before he was saved. He was out of zeal for God. He had a part in the death of Stephen and many other Christians. And in his heart and mind, he thought he was doing it out of zeal for God. So there's a deceiver out there that's deceiving many people, getting them to do things in the name of God and in the name of religion that are actually totally against God. But anyways, back to the subject here. Jesus had that compassion for the souls. He was moved with compassion toward them. So these are some important keys here. If you're going to see God do the impossible and we need to, we need to be letting God have his way and fulfill everything he wants to do in and through our lives every day, not just at church, but at the workplace and at home, in our families and whatever relationships in life, recognizing his power in times of weakness, having a vision for souls. Thirdly, if we're going to see God do the impossible, we notice here in this passage that we need to be listening to the voice of Christ, the voice of God, more than the voice of the world or reason. Notice, look at verse 15. The Bible says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Give ye them to eat. They had to, a choice to make. Were they going to listen to the voice of human reason and logic? I mean, it, you know, humanly, we, we love to rely on our human reason and logic, don't we? You know, hey, that doesn't make sense, Jesus. There's five loaves and two fishes here, and there are thousands of people. Can you not see that, Jesus? You know, of course, they knew he could see that, but the human reason and logic didn't seem to match up here. But Jesus intentionally told them something impossible because he was putting them to a test. Are they going to take me at my word? Or are they going to doubt me? Are they going to question? Are they going to limit me? The, uh, there's a, a psalm that talks about how the children of Israel limited God because of their unbelief. We can do the same thing when we stop recognizing how great and mighty God is and how powerful His Word is. You know, I hope each one of us are taking time every day to read this book. I hope you have a goal to read through this book at least once a year or every other year and that you're, you're you know, systematically uh, working through it and feeding on the Word of God. Even I like to read in different sections of the Bible and kind of view it as like a, a balanced meal. You know, I don't like to just eat all salad for a meal. You know, I kind of like some salad and some mashed potatoes and gravy and some roast beef and kind of a mixture of stuff. You know, and, and, and get into the Word of God. Hear the voice of God. 
stay actively involved and, and sweetly submitted to the Lord um, in being active in a good New Testament church like Ann Arbor Baptist Church where you can hear the Word of God. You can hear the voice of God speaking as you read His Word, as you hear the preaching of God's Word, and as you stay actively involved in the work of God. We need to be hearing the voice of Jesus Christ. We live in a world where there are all kinds of voices sh- uh, screaming at us. I just recently saw a photo that some friends shared on, on my uh, phone on a text thread, and it was a, this you know, individual uh, with a big tuba basically like up to her mouth and the end of the tuba right in somebody else's face. And basically you know, portraying that there's certain evil voices in this world that just seem to be shouting louder, louder than ever. You know, uh, advertising certain evil agendas in this world and trying to ram it into all of our, our schools and into everybody's faces. And it's really not a majority in our country, but they're a loud minority. And they are trying to force foolishness, evil, abominations in the sight of God into our lives. We need the voice of God more than ever. We need to be reading more than ever in the house of God more than ever. Like the Bible says, more and more as ye see the day approaching, assembling together with God's people, keeping our fires burning strong for the Lord. And so we've, we've, we've got to be able to Uh, put ourselves into a place where we're going to hear the voice of Jesus Christ, reading His Word, hearing the preaching of God's Word, so that we can discern, we can kind of find our way through all the voices of this world that are shouting at us and be able to discern, okay, this is the voice of the Lord. This is what God wants me to do. And it's not necessarily going to be in a dream or you know, a writing in the sky or handwriting on the wall, but it comes as we just continue to read His Word, be in the house of God, and, and putting, you know, putting ourselves under the influence of the Word of God. So the disciples here had a choice to make. Are we going to follow our human reason and logic? There's not enough food to feed these thousands of people. And what Jesus just told us to do, I mean, we could look like absolute fools in front of all these people. He just told us in front of everybody to give them something to eat. And we don't, all we have are five loaves and two fishes. Listening to the voice of Christ more than the voice of the world, the voice of reason, the voice of human logic and whatever you might say. Listen to the voice of Jesus Christ. Be willing to just trust Him. Take Him at His word. Things in life won't always make perfect sense. But you can be 100% sure that if it's in the Bible, it's the right thing to do. You know? And uh, man, what a blessing to have a pastor, have a church like this that is centered on hearing and knowing what the Bible says so I can know how to navigate through this uh, crazy world that we live in and, and be a conqueror, be a victor, because God is bigger than everything going on in this world. Our God is far greater than that. So, um, seeing God do the impossible not only requires listening to the voice of Christ more than the voice of this world and human reason, but also, second to last year, the realization that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. And we kind of touched on this, but uh, it comes up again here in verse 17, where the Bible says, And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. You know, they're kind of holding these things up in front of Jesus. You know, hey, look at Jesus. This is all we got. These, see all the people, see what we have. It's not really going to work. They felt very insufficient. Any of you ever feel really insufficient sometimes? You ever feel like, I don't know what to say next to that person. <laughs> I want to see them saved. I want to see them come into church. I don't know what to say anymore to that person. You know, or I don't know what to do in this situation. You know, it just seems like we're always operating on the bottom of the barrel financially. And man, I don't know, how can I trust God to increase my giving toward the work of God? And oh man, I don't know. I I remember growing up sometimes uh, seeing my mom and dad face some real financial challenges. And oh man, they just kept on giving. They kept on tithing. They kept on giving and God provided in amazing ways. I always remember my dad, he was never a preacher, but he walked with God, went home to heaven about four years ago. And I just remember him saying, God can take your, make your 90% 
go a lot further than, your one, than the 100% of your paycheck. God can take that 90%. If you trust him with that 10%, he can make that 90% go way further than the 100% of your paycheck. And I saw, I watched him live that out. And, it, and my mom, it was just a wonderful thing to see. But that, that happens when we're willing to just take God at his word. God, you want me to do this? Okay. I'm totally insufficient or I don't know where the money's going to come from. Or, oh man, one of my kids is talking about being, you know, sensing a call to the foreign mission field. Man, that means that, you know, they're, they're, them and their spouse and their kids, my grandkids are going to be way far away. You know, that's actually one of the biggest reasons, biggest hindrances to foreign missions um, from a survey that some friends of mine did or that I know of did was that parents and grandparents kind of put this tug on their children and grandchildren. Ah, I don't want you way over there. You know, why don't you find a place to minister right here? And if the Lord leads in that way, then that's where you ought to be. But every Christian ought to be praying through, Lord, do you want me? So where on this globe do you want me spreading the gospel and helping to further your work, living for you? Okay, so last of all, seeing God do the impossible requires total dependence on Jesus Christ. Now I know we hear that. This is a faith-filled church. You hear that um, in the preaching all the time. But look at what Jesus did. Just look at how it played out here. Total dependence on Jesus Christ. So here in verse 18, Jesus says, after they reminded him, we've got these five loaves and two fishes, thousands of people. Here, look what Jesus does. He says, bring them hither to me. Bring them hither to me. Put them in my hands. You know, that ought to be something that you and I seek to do on a daily basis. Lord Jesus, those um, scarred hands that you have, you hung there on that cross for me. You gave everything to spare me from eternity in the lake of fire. What do you want me to do today? Okay, oh, you want me to read your word? Okay, I'll do that. You want me to pray? All right, God, I'll make time to pray. And pray for God to help me. Pray for God to use me in other people's lives. Pray for our churches, missionaries, whatever. All kinds of things that God wants us to be faithfully praying about. Just totally depending upon Him and submitting our life to Him on a daily basis. Submitting every situation to Him. You know, maybe uh, you're, you're renting a place or something and, and the, the landlord comes to you, hey, you got until this date to move out. It's like, oh, <laughs> that can be a big curveball. I mean, we all experience big curveballs in life, especially um, since 2020, it seems like. You know, check those gas prices out right now out there. And, you know, all kinds of things. And it's just like, oh, what is going to come next? What's going to happen next? Just keep on surrendering it to the Lord. Put it into the hands of our wonderful, omnipotent Savior who knows everything and can take five little loaves and two fishes and feed thousands of people right in front of his disciples. That's the same Jesus that we serve here at Ann Arbor Baptist Church. That's the same Jesus we serve over in Kenya and around the world. He is everywhere and he is almighty. The devil wants us to get our eyes off of him, wants us to get focused on all oh, the big hurdle in front of us. You know, man, how are we going to make this work? I believe there's kind of a, there's a building project kind of in the, or coming up somewhere in the works, right? I know I've heard that mentioned some. And same thing at our church back in Wisconsin at McQuanago. And man, the, the building materials are just going all over the place with prices. And you watch your bank account and it's just like, Lord, what is going on? How are we going to make it through another day or month or year financially? Or what is going on? Just put it into the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay in tune with Him. Stay connected with Him in prayer. Stay right with Him. These disciples could have run away. They could have thrown those five loaves and two fishes down and said, Jesus, you're crazy. I'm out of here. And you know, a lot of some Christians do that sometimes. We've probably all done that to some degree in various situations in life. But stay right with Him. Stay, watch what He's going to do through the trials and challenges, through the impossibilities. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How can that be possible? How is that supposed to happen? I don't know. I, I'm supposed to know I'm a missionary, but I don't know. It seems overwhelming. I drive through different communities in Kenya or I see 
you know, masses of Muslim people over there. And I just think, how are they going to ever know about Jesus Christ? How are they going to know? You know, they, they hire, I mean, thankfully around the Thika area, as we go witnessing, we, we've knocked on many doors and, you know, a, 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 per, a Muslim person will answer the door and they're usually very friendly. We can sit and talk to them for, you know, 15, 20 minutes most times and talk about Jesus Christ. In fact, on our way out here, as we were traveling out uh, toward New York just a few days ago, um, man, we were like almost to our destination, 15 minutes away, and uh, all of a sudden Kayla wakes up from her nap, I gotta go potty, you know, and oh man, 15 minutes, can't you just make it? But I don't want to clean up a car seat, uh, mess in the car seat, and I'm thinking, okay, there's a gas station sign, let's pull in there. And I was a little bit frustrated, you know, it's like, man, we could just 15 more minutes and we could be at our destination where there's bathrooms. And, but we pulled in there and um, pulled right up behind a car. A couple of guys in the car in front of us hop out to get some gas or whatever. And I, I look and I'm like, wow, Tina, those guys are from Somalia. I can tell, you know, there's a lot of Somalians in Kenya. And so um, I got out there and Tina took Kayla into the bathroom. I went out there and kind of strolled around my vehicle and was able to strike up a conversation with these guys. And sure enough, they were from Somalia. And in fact, they had lived in Kenya. They knew the town where, where we live over there. I just thought, wow, here we were. I was ready to just sail on by this exit. And just 15 minutes, Kayla, you can hold it, you know. And, <laughs> and, uh, but uh, the Lord directed us to just pull in there and, and make that stop. And we were able to get gospel tracts into the hands of these two precious souls that are going to spend eternity. And, you know, they tried to, they were very friendly. Of course, you know, they were really excited to hear that I, 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 we spoke some Swahili back and forth. So that was kind of fun. Uh, but the Lord just opened a door there to be able to talk to them about Jesus Christ. And they gave the very common response. Oh yeah, we, we believe in Jesus. Well, they believe in Jesus as a sinful human being, though, that was a good prophet. And I said, but let me ask you something. I said, do you believe in the Jesus who died on the cross and raised himself from the dead? Do you believe in that Jesus? And, oh, no, 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 that's not, that, I don't think that happened. And I'm like, well, I said, so we're talking about two different people here. You're talking about a man that, that are, were sinner, was a sinner like you and me, but I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible who raised himself from the dead and over 500 witnesses saw him with their eyes after he raised himself from the dead. And, you know, it's just a, a great privilege to be able to plant some seeds of truth in the hearts of these precious souls and see these men uh, take some time to talk. It's a very common cultural thing that you don't just cut people off. You know, in America that happens all the time. The door starts swinging shut before you, you know, you hardly tell them who you are and what you're doing. And, uh, but anyways, these guys talked for a little while. It was a great privilege, great opportunity. And as we pulled out of there, I just was thinking, wow, Lord, you always know what's best. And thank you for little Kayla having to stop and go to the bathroom here. <laughs> you know, God always has something bigger in mind. He has, always has a greater purpose um, for all these little seemingly inconveniences of life. But he wants us to, I wish I could say that I trust him in every situation uh, like that and, and see God do all that he wants to do. But I fail him many times. But may God help us tonight to just, Realize our weakness, okay, and recognize His power in times of weakness. I better finish the story here. Verse 19, I'm sure you all know, but let me jump to there. Verse 19, And He commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass, took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, He blessed and brake, and gave the loaves to His disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did all eat and were filled." And they took up of the fragments that remained twelve baskets full, and they that had eaten were about five thousand men beside women and children, or plus women and children. So I, I, I find it so awesome how Jesus gave those five loaves and two fishes to his disciples, and they were able to participate. They had to take active steps of faith to take these little pieces of bread and fish that looked absolutely foolish, you know, to try to feed thousands of people with five little loaves and two fishes and take them and feed everybody. Okay, you know, like, I don't want to say no to Jesus, you know, but this, this isn't going to work out too well. But as they went, you know, I just wish I could have seen the look on their faces as they keep breaking off that bread and handing it out and, 
and see everybody, the thousands, fed by our wonderful Savior. And he wants to do wonderful things. It may not be a a visible miracle just like this, but he is the same God. He has given you and me clear commands, just like he told them, bring them hither to me. He gives you and me clear commands today to give the gospel, to be faithful to the house of God, to um, love one another, to love God with all our heart, and the list goes on and on. The, the law of liberty, as we yield to it, we find that great, great joy and liberty that comes from following his wonderful commands. And I, I'm sure the disciples were so thankful that they followed his commands. So remember his power in times of weakness. Maintain a vision for souls. We all have to ask God, renew that vision. Set my soul afire, Lord. I need you to, to rekindle that divine fire that your Holy Spirit Um, can bring to my life. We need to be listening to the voice of Christ more than the voice of the world, the voices of the world and human reason as we see in verse 16. And then also there's the realization that we are insufficient in and of ourselves. So don't, there's no excuses, right? Because God knows how limited we are. He knows how weak and feeble we are. He knows how full of failures we are. So There's no excuses (laughs) because he already knows all about it. And he just wants us to trust him, take him at his word, totally depend on him like the disciples did when he said, bring those fishes and loaves to me. Bring them hither to me. And so where are you standing tonight as a child of God? Are you right there with him? Uh, Even though things might not make sense, are you sticking with him? Are you keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith? Or are you kind of removed from him? Oh, you know, I'm not sure he can handle this one. I'm going to have to take this one. Man, that doesn't work. Stay right with him even when things don't make sense. Take him at his word and recognize the great things that he wants to do even when things seem confusing and overwhelming in life. Let's go to him in prayer. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this wonderful lesson. Powerful truth, God that you have given to us. Thank you for the Bible, how you have preserved this wonderful truth for us so we can study your word, we can see what Jesus did, the great things he wants to do in us and through us as we yield to you. And Lord, help us to remember the great priority of living for you, of spreading the gospel. Lord, every one of us, you know we feel so insufficient to be witnesses for you and to be effective in reaching souls that are going to burn forever in the lake of fire unless somebody tells them. Lord, just like that uh, rich man in hell screaming for someone to go tell his family so they didn't end up there. Lord, help us to think about our neighbors, our co-workers, lost souls around us. Lord, help us to trust you and rely upon you, Lord, to do the impossible. Help us to just uh, sweetly submit our life to you every day and, and, and um, bring ourselves hither to you and put, you in, put our lives into your hands and watch you do the great and mighty things you want to do through weak, feeble creatures like us. Thank you, Father, that we could be your children. Thank you for this wonderful church, Lord. Bless each one as they seek to live for you in these days as we await the return of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.